Welcome to the Male Factor Infertility Podcast. Everything you need to know about Male Factor, but no one's telling you. Join a rogue doctor who's stepping outside of the mainstream medical model to share the best methods that address the most common Male Factor challenges. Most importantly, we'll cultivate the mindset and give you the tools you need to break through. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Adam Tice. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. Hope everybody's having a great day. Welcome to the podcast. Today we are going to have a super exciting episode as always. And today we're going to be talking about male factor, human extinction and fertility foods. A lot of people, I don't think they know or realize that um, the male factor and the human species and the population itself is actually in deep. Decline. You know, there's a lot of talk out there about overpopulation and global resources and things like that. And those are all super important topics and they all need to be unpacked. You know, some some small statistics here, you know, in the birth rates and the population is declining and we have never ever as a species encountered anything like this. So these are unprecedented times and you can find the headlines out there that, you know, that say the humans are going extinct. And and, you know, I am an eternal optimist and I think that that is not quite the case. That's a little bit sensationalist. But um, the reality is, is that there is a little bit of nestled truth in there. And I think that it's a cause for a wake up call. And that's what we're ringing the alarm about and um, bringing the information and talking about the stuff that nobody's going to tell you. Here's everything you need to know, but nobody's telling you. Um, the average sperm counts have dropped steadily over the last generation since the 40s, 50s, 60s. And now we're into, you know, we're in 2020s. And, um, you know, this is a fact that should, I don't know if it should scare you. I don't think that's the right word, but it should be a cause for concern and not only men, but everyone. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know really how many people run around thinking about their sperm health until they try to start a family or expand a family, or, you know, you start getting in this mode and you start making this transition. And well, then it becomes an issue and it comes, it comes into your mind, especially if you're having some issues. And what I want to talk today is how nutrition and diet Diet impacts sperm, and I wanted to unpack that a little bit and talk about that a little bit, talk about some of the problems and talk about some of the key points, and then we're going to uh, also include some solutions because that's where it's really at. You know, you got to ring the alarm, yes, but you also got to bring the positivity, you got to bring the solutions, and that's mostly what I'm interested in is bringing the solutions, and this is what I've been doing in my clinic every day for the last 12 years, and so we're reaching out into the world now. And and talking about these things. So can we really blame this on the food that we're eating? Is it even a problem? Yeah, I think it's an issue. You know, uh, again, the there are numerous studies out there and then the, the numbers, they vary a little bit, but you'll get the point. You know, basically there, you know, one study states that the average sperm counts have dropped by nearly 60% over the last 40 years. So uh, you can look all these numbers up and they 
you know, they, they, they track this and the sperm quality has been really the gold standard. It's been the gold standard since the 80s, since the WHO implemented that. And then again, we've been tracking this since the 40s, 50s, 60s. So big changes compared to a generation ago. And what's up with that? So, you know, there is, this is a big deal. And if anybody is dealing with an, a fertility issue, again, it's most of the burden is the right word, but most of this falls on to the women, to the beautiful women in our lives. And guys, you know, we have to take our part, uh, our responsibility in here. And it's estimated that I've seen numbers ranging between 30 and 50% of all infertility cases have some kind of a male factor component. So I kind of like that 50-50. That makes sense to me. You know, again, different studies are going to give us slightly different numbers, but you get the point both mom, dad, potential mom, potential dad, male, female, we both have to be optimized. And so guys, this is what we're doing. We're taking our self-responsibility. We're taking our part of this. So, you know, what's up with the falling sperm counts? I mean, it's a complex issue and we don't want to oversimplify it, but we're going to talk about this. And we definitely know that the nutrition plays a key role in this. You know, we combine falling sperm counts and then combined with the general trend in society where people are starting to have kids at later ages. You know, and that just means that many couples are going to have to face some kind of issues or challenges around this fertility issue. And this is a big deal. I don't really know. I think that the world that we live in, it's definitely um, more acceptable to talk about this stuff. And that's part of what the pod is, is to open a conversation up about this. And so we can talk about this because, you know, again, I'm an optimist. I believe that we can create a healthy, happy, prosperous planet Earth and healthy, happy, prosperous human species by taking some responsibility. And that begins with nutrition. It begins with our ground level foundational health. And how do we do that? So, you know, are is our diet killing our sperm? Are we going extinct? You know, I don't think that anybody could. There is no way that we could point to one single causation there. We can have, you know, many, many different correlations. And of course, correlation does not equal causation. But, you know, we could say, is it because everybody's got their phone in their pocket or they have their laptop on them all the time? Is it of a metabolic origin? Does it have to do with blood sugars and diabetes and, you know, obesity and inflammation? Well, yes, 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 and yes, most likely. And, you know, the physician in me knows that things like this are most likely multifactorial, means they're going to come from a variety of different factors. And even nestled inside of that is the individualization of that. So you can have two people that are doing exactly the same thing and one person may have issues and the other may not. And you can't double blind placebo track that statistic. That individuality cannot be accounted for in the conventional medical literature, the way that we do these studies with controls and such, because it doesn't account for 
biochemical of individuality. It does not account for the personalized part of this where we're looking at susceptibility and constitution and all of this whole variety of factors that creates health. And this is going to create a different picture for different men and for different people as we encounter this. So the good news is that there are a lot of foods and then kind of what I want to do here is unpack what the problem is and then deliver a solution. So, you know, we always want to want to kind of bring the good news and bring the good word. The good news is that there are food and dietary things steps that you can take that will increase your sperm count and increase the quality of those sperm. Now, They've done a lot of different studies on this, and we've seen that there are various semen parameters that appear to be positively associated with diets that are that include fish, the omega-3 fatty acids, the fruits and vegetables, and you know that, that are loaded with antioxidants and those polyunsaturated fatty acids, of which we're talking about the omega-3s. And there are negative associations with diets that are including the processed and conventional meats and the conventional dairy products that are loaded with saturated fats, trans fats, hormones, antibiotics, environmental toxins, estrogens, these kinds of things. That's what's going to wreck the male factor. Those things right there are going to destroy your metabolism. They're going to destroy the quality of your sperm and the count is going to decline. And I think that's probably the biggest reason why we're seeing these declining numbers is the diet. Because if you track back to 40s, 50s, 60s, and if you have, you know, parents and grandparents, you know, maybe that you can, you can talk to, they'll tell you of a very different story. And organic food was not a thing. All the food was organic back then. And then with the advent of conventional, commercial, big agriculture, biotech, bioscience, and this has really been over the last generation, but really 70s, 80s, 90s, and you know now into all the 2000s, we're talking the last 20, 30, 40 years, the diet has drastically, drastically changed. And the thing about that is metabolism takes hundreds, thousands of years to evolve evolve and refine itself to get to a certain point and then to change the inputs so rapidly the body is doing the best that it can to accommodate that okay so let's some of the key players in the male factor i'm gonna get i hope this doesn't get too technical but you know i know you guys are smart and i want to i want to get a little bit more technical a little bit more scientific you know we got to cover the mind body part of it and and cover some of those those parts of it but we got to be grounded in our approach we need to stay grounded we need the grounded science and so that's what i want to go through here and kind of unpack some of these dietary things. Uh, and the number one thing um, that I want to talk about, the first thing I want to talk about, these key players in the male factor uh, nutrition here and creating good quality male essence and good high quality reproductive fluid, we got to be conscious about folate and DNA errors. And a low folate concentration in seminal plasma is associated with, with DNA damage of the sperm. And this is because the folate is involved in the DNA synthesis and in the DNA and the methylation processes. So if there are 
single nucleotide polymorphisms, genetic polymorphisms, variations in the way that individuals metabolize and assimilate folate. We need to know that. We need to know that we're getting the good key, the methyl tetrahydrofolate that can be absorbed very well and converted and utilized in the body because the DNA needs it. If you have folate shortages or you have some kind of an imbalance, um, you know, or, or inability or difficulty absorbing that, the DNA becomes fragile. Basically, there gets to be a misincorporation of a uracil instead of a thymine in that process. And so there you go. That sets us up where where the normal repair process there has been altered. And then this essentially kind of kind of breaks the DNA. There's an instability that happens. So this stuff is so easy to fix. And now we've known about the folate and we talk about the folate in prenatal care and perinatal care with the women because we know that the folate is essential for neural tube closures. And we and the medical literature knows this and we, we need to prevent neural tube defects. And so that's why all, the, you know, any good prenatal is going to have the folate. But talking about the guys, this can damage our sperm. If we have insufficiencies, insufficiencies means just not enough. The tank's kind of running on a quarter tank. Deficiency means you're running on an empty tank and you, your DNA is going to start to break and you're going to have altered DNA. This is a big deal and it's really easy to fix. So the folate and DNA errors is number one thing. Number two thing I wanted to talk about is react as it relates to sperm health and sperm motility, reactive oxygen species and the oxidative process, which just welcome to earth, life is an oxidative process and life is inflammatory. So we need to find a way to balance that. This elevated reactive oxygen species, if we have elevated oxidation, this also has the potential to negatively affect sperm motility and for the fusion of a sperm and an oocyte. Now, there are many ways that this kind of acts on the system and the polyunsaturated fatty acids incorporating themselves into the plasma membrane that leads to a what we call a lipid peroxidation. And the net result, the effect is that motility, sperm motility is, is affected. So just imagine that I tell you to run a race and then I tie your legs up. You can't run. You can't move. That's basically what happens. The membrane becomes stiff and rigid and motility is affected. And this can also, these reactive oxygen species can also damage the gamete DNA. And so again, we're talking about basically DNA damage and loss of motility. So this is a big deal. And this is these are things that are actually have been noted to be toxic to the genome and, and cancer causing. I mean, when you break DNA, that's what you're talking about. And then we need to make sure the immune system can surveil that and clean that up so that doesn't propagate or kind of snowball and turn into something. These reactive oxygen species in the oxidative process is a big, big deal. And we need to know about this. The third thing that I want to talk about here is mitochondria. The mitochondria are the powerhouses of the cells that we need. And when we're talking about sperm motility, we're talking about mitochondria because they're the powerhouses. They are what is going to help you have successful swimmers. You just need one successful swimmer, but if they don't have any power and they're stiff, 
it can't move. They can't swim. There's no energy. So again, we're talking about direct damage to mitochondrial DNA that inevitably results in a decreased mitochondrial potential. And that basically means you don't have good swimmers. That's what that means. So the folate the oxidation, the mitochondria, the DNA. These are basic understandings that we need to have. It's like, okay, what's going on here? Now, the important lessons in here that we can kind of dig out and bring out here is the important lessons here are that we need antioxidants. We need some way to offset these reactive oxygen species, and that's what antioxidants are all about. So vitamin C, beta carotene, vitamin E, all the beta carotene, carotenoids, vitamin A, all of these things are essential. You gotta have them. You have to have them on board so that we can modulate this oxidative process and neutralize these reactive oxygen species. And you know, biology is is supremely intelligent. And just to highlight one thing with the antioxidants here, one, one really key important point is this is so important in the biology that over time, there's something that's called antioxidant recycling. And basically, if you have an adequate supply of those antioxidants that I mentioned, they will metabolically create this cycle where they will regenerate and recycle and reuse themselves. They're so important. Important. The body has found a way to maximize and recycle these antioxidants to keep them in circulation and keep them surveilling and neutralizing the reactive oxygen species. So the antioxidants are one of the key important lessons that we need here. The second thing as far as important lessons is that fat is your friend. Now, fat, dietary fat I'm talking about, became to be the boogeyman over the last one or two generations. And there's a reason for that. Basically, long story short, the sugar industry was part of that and big agriculture was part of that. But fat is your friend. And what I'm talking about, we need to have the good quality fats because the the poor quality fats, again, they will get incorporated into those cell membranes and it negatively impacts the testicular function. And the net result is that we can have a reduction in total and free testosterone in the system. We need to get those good fats. And we're going to talk a little bit more about in just a second when we get into our solution segment. Another important lesson here is the presence of something called phytoestrogens, plant estrogens, and xenoestrogens estrogen mimicking compounds that are found in the environment. The presence of these natural, these plant and these synthetic estrogens contributes to uh, the detriment of, of the sperm parameters. It, it negatively impacts the sperm when we have these fake estrogens, plant estrogens and synthetic estrogens in the system. This is known, documented in the medical literature, and we know this to be true. We need to take important lessons here. Also, we need to understand the difference between conventional meats and grass-fed and grass-finished. 
meats. And I'm talking about processed red meats, conventional meats, which have been conventionally raised, conventionally grown and harvested in comparison with grass fed, grass finished, organically, non-GMO, no corn, no soy, no antibiotics. That's a very different thing. And to call them red meat, they almost need to have two separate names, but it's conventional meats and the grass-fed, grass-finished. We have to highlight the difference in those two. We can't just make the blanket statement, avoid red meat or red meat's bad or whatever, or red meat's good, whatever. You have to understand that those, the, the difference between the conventional and then the organic grass-fed, grass-finished, which are going to be those much different nutritional profiles, much different, totally different nutritional profiles. We need to be aware of that difference. We need to know about our omega-3s. We need to know about omega-3s, the polyunsaturated fatty acids and fish. You know, the cold water, wild-caught fish is what we're talking about. The, the, there is a an association in the literature which contributes to has a positive impact on the sperm structure, motility, and testicular function. Basically, it makes that the omega-3s help make good swimmers. They help make flexible, fluid, good, healthy, strong swimmers, good, healthy testicular function. So that is a little bit of the kind of background and some of the key points. The top foods that we need to avoid now with this base level of information that we've gone over, the top foods to avoid that will decrease your sperm health and negatively affect the male fertility and the male factor, number one are the processed meats that we were just talking about. You know, there are that whole host of processed meats and I'm talking about basically everything in the grocery store all the regular whole meat section, it's all total crap. It's all total garbage. And connecting the dot and eating the processed red meat, it is going to definitely decrease the sperm count and it's going to alter the sperm motility. Now, this is one of those things where if you look in the literature, they don't quite understand this. So they'll make the blanket statement that red meat, I've actually seen how red meat negatively affects sperm quality, but that's an incomplete story. And that's part of what I'm telling you that nobody else is going to tell you. You need to understand, we all need to understand the difference between the red meats and the quality and the difference between the conventionally large-scale, mass-produced, mass-harvested, unhumanely treated, antibiotic-laden, steroid-laden, over-vaccinated conventional meats that's total shit. We need to get the click in our brain that we need to make the shift to small scale local farms, grass fed, grass finished, organically fed, humanely raised and harvested. Okay, there's the conscious component there. We need to understand the difference there and, you know, so that we can stay away from the process stuff. That's the number one thing that we need to know. The second thing that we need to know about as far as things to avoid that are going to decrease sperm count and negatively affect the male factor are trans fats. And trans fats are basically those seed oils and it happens when you high heat, apply a high heat, uh, such as frying, like fried foods and stuff. This is like the classical example of trans fat. And what this is in plain English is the high heat denatures the fat. It alters the structure of it and renders it rancid. 
actually. And if you ever, you can see this. And, and what this does when we have these trans fats, the body will try to utilize this and it will uptake it and try to make cells out of it. And then it, it gets incorporated into the cellular structure and creates rigid, stiff cells as opposed to the smooth lipid bilayer that can that can be flexible and adaptive and and kind of move with its environment uh, we get these rigid cells that really don't know how to behave they they cannot be motile they cannot uh, they don't have the motility they don't have the proper structure it's a big big issue so we want to avoid the trans fats the fried foods and the packaged foods a lot of this stuff is in there because that's how they make that stuff the third thing that we want to avoid is soy products Products. I think if you're in this male factor category, especially if there is, if you're in the preparation phases, okay, moderation might be okay, but I would really rather say avoid it, especially if you have a diagnosed male factor or an unknown or an undetermined male factor issue going on. The soy products contain those phytoestrogens, which are plant estrogens and they're estrogen-like compounds that can negatively affect, the they can basically decrease sperm concentration, okay? It kind of confuses the body. The fourth thing that we got to avoid for healthy male factor are pesticides, herbicides, and BPAs. This is the environmental part of it. And honestly, this is probably the most important and the thing that we really need to be aware of because they're everywhere. The pesticides are on the food and even on the organic food, guys. So we still got to wash our food. It may have less for sure, but the eating organic is paramount. And again, if you can get to the point where the first step is to make the switch to start eating organic and make that switch at whatever you're getting at your local market, your local grocery store, or you know wherever you get your supplies, make that switch. The next switch is to try to find somewhere maybe where you can get that locally sourced where somebody is actually growing some organic food that might not be getting any exposure to pesticides, herbicides, and things like that. You know, and ultimately, the, really the ultimate place to be is where you could grow some of your own food, where you're growing organic, no pesticides, herbicides, a mineral-rich, good quality, nutritious food. That's really the gold standard. So we got to start with avoiding the stuff and then kind of work our way on that curve to where we can really optimize that. And the other part in here is avoiding the BPA. So that's not so much the food, but that's the plastics. That's the plastic stuff. That's the canned stuff. You know, avoiding the plastic bottles, the stuff, these BPAs, these chemicals that are in these pesticides, these act as what we call xenoestrogens. And these are synthetic chemicals that mimic estrogen and that can derange they it can really essentially wreak havoc on the sperm concentration and the the sperm quality and quantity things like that so this is a big big deal and you know we need to be aware of this the final thing, and we kind of have mentioned this, but I want to mention again, is the conventional dairy products. This sort of goes right along with you know what we were talking about with the meats in general. Now, the dairy side of that, we want to make sure that we're avoiding the conventional dairy because most of the issue is because there are hormones, there are steroids, there are vaccinations, there are many, many, many things that are administered to conventionally grown 
animals or raised animals, the genetically modified feed, all kinds of things, so many things. It alters the quality of that. So we're going to want to avoid the conventional dairy and try to opt for the raw, the organic, the good, clean, grass-fed, grass-finished sources. So that way we can kind of segue now. We've gone over we've gone over some of the issues, the key players here, some of the myths and the, the top foods that we need to avoid. Now, what do we actually do? What is the solution? How do I work my way out of this thing and actually get some results? And the number one thing that we're we're going to do is definitely make sure that we have some cold wild caught fish and some kind of omega-3s coming into the system. The omega-3s, numerous studies, and again, this has all to do really, really with the omega-3 fatty acids, which are the essential fatty acids, which means that the body cannot biosynthesize these. So we need to intake these things and the role that they play in the spermatogenesis and then the quality and the, the quantity of this is a big deal. Cold water fish, omega-3s, we gotta have them. The second thing is the grass-fed grass-finished meats. I think in that category also are the grass-fed, grass-finished, the organs and the dairy. All of that, I would kind of put all of that in one category. Now you're uh, you're going to get some of this. I would actually put eggs also in this category, but and then the same kind of caveat there is there is a big difference between the conventional egg that is raised in a certain way that is heavily a lot of, of pharmaceuticals and things like that in the conventional world. We need to opt for the free range, the organically fed eggs. The grass-fed, grass-finished meats, grass-fed, grass-finished organs, the dairy, the unpasteurized, the raw dairy, the free-range organic eggs. These uh, great sources of nutrients, of the antioxidants, of the minerals, of the omegas. And I think therapeutically even, this doesn't have to be at every single meal. This needs to be even several times a week, maybe even three to five times a week. More is okay, depending on who we're talking about. There's biochemical individuality and we all have certain needs. But this is a big, big, big addition that we can make, increase our male factor and improve the sperm health. And the final thing is eat your fruits and veggies, people. Eat the fruits and veggies because of all the reasons that we've been talking about. Organic fruits and veggies, we got to stay off. Uh, we got to get, you know, make sure that the herbicides, the pesticides, all these things aren't getting in. There's no minerals in the conventional food. It's totally wiped out. Everybody knows that the food is tasteless in the conventional world. We need to get the organic stuff and again, work our way toward small source community farms and really push people and asking the questions, is this organic? Is this mineralized? How's this grown and treated, right? That's what we need to be pushing for and working toward in our small communities because guess what? The whole thing, the whole big massive infrastructure system is basically crumbling and the way it crumbles is we just we simply withdraw our participation. We withdraw our financial support from the system. We force either those companies to just disappear. And what we do is we take our energy, our attention, our financial support to the smaller scale folks that are doing the organic stuff. Because again, the antioxidants, the, you know, all of the vitamins, the, the water soluble vitamins, the minerals in here, these are going to positively affect, and this has been documented in many, many studies, 
where they've taken kind of single isolated looks at this and, and tried to get a snapshot of things like, you know, CoQ10 levels and vitamin C and vitamin E, you know, lycopene and, and these other kind of compounds of which there are many. But these are all we need to have the higher concentrations of these so that the, we can get a better sperm quality, better sperm motility and overall better male factor and just good conscious health. Okay. Just doing the right thing. This is how we do it from the bottom up. So to kind of sum everything up, the bottom line to improve sperm health, eat your veggies, hundred percent organic, eliminating the processed conventional meats and opting for grass fed, grass finished, wild caught, free range. That's how we roll. Avoiding the trans fats, eliminating the soy, eliminating the BPA and the cans and the plastic water bottles. Use glass, avoiding the conventional dairy, opt for the organic grass-fed, grass-finished, raw, unpasteurized stuff. If you haven't, other risk factors in here that are going to contribute. These are going to help everything be better. Okay. Only good things will happen if you do these things that I'm talking about. So that's a really good download today for as far as the male factor, fertility foods, and keeping the human species alive and thriving. That's the download for today. You guys have a beautiful day wherever you are in the world and we'll see you next time. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found it useful. If you want to stay in touch, be sure to sign up for the newsletter. You can follow me on Instagram at Mayo Factor Infertility with Dr. Adam Tice. And for more information, you can also visit the website, mayofactorinfertility.org. And you can find out more about the fertility practice and the clinic side of things. Uh, there's links for everything in the description. And of course, be sure to tune in to next week's episode.